this is Lissa and Jerry Lee. Welcome to Experience Eden, This Side of Heaven. We hope this conversation will speak to your heart and inspire joy. Welcome back to Experience Eden on This Side of Heaven. Today we are talking about fearless faith. Amen. So as always, we start with definitions. (laughs) Dork. (laughs) So faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something. Another definition is a strong belief in God or in the doctrines of religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. But thankfully, the Bible also gives us a nice definition of faith in Hebrews 11.1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. The biblical definition of faith is trusting in something you cannot explicitly prove. Amen. I yeah. love I love getting a baseline of what a definition is because then the tendency for us is to kind of hear a definition somewhere in the distance past and then we kind of make it up as we go. Mm-hmm. And so it was even cool for me after so many years of being a believer and a follower of Christ to redefine it and go, okay, what does it really mean yeah. tangibly in the dictionary? But one of my favorite definitions is by Dr. Tony Evans. And I think it is so wise and so fitting from the biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. It is, faith is acting like something is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) It's such like repetitive, but it makes sense and it's deep, but it's simple. Mm -hmm. It's just a really cool view on faith. And it's true because we, as as believers in Jesus Christ and and as followers of God and his word, so much of it is belief that it will be so because God said so. Yeah. And uh, it's just such a cool reminder of how how faith is intangible. Mm -hmm. And faith is a decision that we make. Yeah. It's not just an idea. It's a conscious decision that we make day after day, issue after issue. Yeah, it's so true. It's not something we can see. There's... Faith, the whole thing about it is believing in something you can't see. And how much is does it take to step out in to have faith in something you can't see, right? Exactly, exactly. And that is the true, like, so then the next thing we were talking about kind of was like, well, what does it mean to have faith in God? Yeah, you know, exactly. People will say things like have faith in a system or, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, my, my husband's a fireman and he has to have faith in his equipment yeah. that his breather won't fail mm-hmm. when he's in a fire. But what does it mean to have faith in God? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, people say it's a word that is so commonly used that people really don't sit down and meditate on it. And what mm-hmm. does it really mean? Yeah. And so I was just thinking about it and thinking about some of the components of faith and how we activate faith and mm-hmm. what that looks like in practical terms. Yeah. And kind of four things popped in my mind. Um, this is not doctrine. It's not something of the Bible. <laughs> it's just practical things that, you know, I kind of thought of, well, how, how do we do this? Yeah, What exactly. is faith in God? And so I started thinking of, well, in order to have faith in God, the first thing you have to do is you have to acknowledge God as almighty, mm-hmm. omniscient, and all-knowing. So he's almighty, all-powerful. He knows everything. So that would be the first step. So, okay, I acknowledge that, mm-hmm. right? Because... Everyone can acknowledge, you know, that, that God exists or that 
people saying they're spiritual or that there's a higher power or whatever the case may be. But until you can have faith in something, you have to acknowledge that it even exists. Yeah. You know, just going back to that definition or that example of the fireman's breather. Okay, mm -hmm. I, know I have it. I'm wearing my breather. Yeah. It's here. Okay, yeah. so I acknowledge that it's here. It's available for me to use. So the next step in, in uh, having faith in God is choosing to believe in Him. Mm -hmm. And in our case, and in our example as believers, we not only believe in Him, but we believe that He's good. Yes. You know, that He's good and that He is faithful. Mm -hmm. um, the next one is that we have trust in His Word, His promises and protection. Well, how do we even know what that is? We have to read His Word. Yep. We have to read the Bible, get into the Scripture. Who does He say He is? Mm -hmm. Who does He say we are? Mm -hmm. What does He say He will do? What does he say he has done? So it requires an amount of knowledge on, on who he is and his word. And then finally, we need to relinquish control and surrender obedience to his will. Um, so that is the faith. That's the, that's the, um, the link and the bridge between, okay, I believe in God, and then I trust in him. I have faith in his will and in his purpose for my life. And that's where we get caught up a lot. Exactly. So sometimes it doesn't align with what we want to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Actually, and a lot of the times. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. How often do we know what we should do or what's best for us? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. I have two words, french fries. <laughs> so, like, I know I should have had kale. <laughs> but I had the french fries. <laughs> right? It's like, yes. okay, we know what we should do, but uh -huh. are we But is it good it? for us? <laughs> exactly. So how can we exercise fearless faith? So again, it goes back to what I was just talking about, like with the Bible. So until we know who he is, what he represents, um, what he says he's going to do for us, um, what he's doing in the universe at large, until we understand that and until we seek him, mm -hmm. uh, we can't have faith in something we don't know. And faith doesn't require understanding either. That's that's where we kind of get mixed up. We feel like you know we we are we grow up in so many years of school, mm -hmm. post secondary education. We're supposed to know and believe that which we can prove, yeah. right? That's how we're kind of trained. See faith it before you believe it. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you know that famous say, "I'll believe it when I see it." Yeah. Exactly. It's it's that kind of a thing, and we're taught that that wisdom is earned through experience, through proving something tangibly. You know. Faith doesn't work like that, but it, there is a component of knowledge involved, meaning you have to know the God you're having faith in. Exactly. And that requires time spent in his word, time in prayer. Um, and also, it's not just enough to read the Bible. It's not enough to pray. It's not enough to say you have faith. You have to look for where God is faithful to you. And that takes a requirement like for um, awareness right? There's little miracles everywhere. And sometimes we're so, we, we have that wish list of the big things that we want to see happen. And as a result of that, we get tunnel vision on the big stuff mm -hmm. and we miss the little things in the peripheral vision um, that are truly miracles and proof of God's goodness. So, um, you know, it's important, like seek to know God by what he's told us. Mm -hmm. It's not intangible. It's in the word of God. And so it's it's super imp important that we that we do that, but that we exercise that fearless faith in terms of um, what is unseen, yeah, what is unknown, and mm -hmm. what we don't understand. I think you got it, like hit it on the nail. It's like the more you understand God and get to know Him and build that relationship with Him, the more faith you have in Him because mm -hmm. you can trust Him and because you know that He has your best interests. And mm -hmm. so it's so much easier to exercise that faith. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that that's the thing is that the more you know Him, the more you'll see the stuff that, that He's promising. Mm -hmm. And then you'll know how to look for it next yeah. time. And, and you'll believe Him tomorrow based on what you saw today and yesterday. Mm -hmm. And so that's where that awareness comes in. 
And so in preparing for this topic, um, one of the things that really inspired us was um, the story of the woman with the blood disorder. Um, for those of you who haven't heard of it or have even read it, and it's a, it's a short and sweet little story in the Bible, um, but it's one of my favorites. And it's not that it's my favorite because it's the most profound mm -hmm. or the most miraculous, you know. It, it's funny because she wasn't raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. Her sight wasn't restored, you know, because she was blind. Yep. It was such a beautiful and sweet and tender moment. But her healing wasn't dependent on her ailment. It was dependent on her faith. Yes. And if you're really, if you're really not careful, you'll miss it mm -hmm. because of how the story is presented. And it's called, they kind of call it like a sandwich story because it's a story within a story. They start telling the story. Oh, and then this happened and then this happened. And so it's not, it's not a huge focal point in the Bible, but there are some really important points that are tangible and the Bible is divinely inspired. Mm -hmm. It's written with intention. There is not one word in it that is um, frivolous mm -hmm. or unimportant. And so um, what I love is that her miracle, even though it wasn't a miraculous raising from the dead, um, showed us that your faith can inspire a miracle. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I want to read the story briefly to you. And again, like I said, it's brief. It's um, The story takes place in, in the book of Luke. And it's Luke 8, 43 through 48. Now, there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years, and though she had spent all she had on physicians, no one could cure her. She came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his clothes, and immediately the hemorrhage stopped. Then Jesus asked, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowds surround you and press in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I noticed that the power had gone out from me. When the woman saw that she could not remain hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. He said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Listen to those words again. Isn't that amazing? Yes, I love it. That's, that's the, the part that really got me. And for some reason in the most recent reading of this for me, that hit me really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and again, so I want you to listen to it again. Jesus says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well go in peace. How incredible is that? Mm -hmm. Do you see, see how she was active in her healing? Mm -hmm. God, Jesus is so cool that he doesn't even take all the credit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He tells her your faith has made you well. Yeah. And if you're, if you're just browsing through it quickly, you'll miss those critical words. Mm -hmm. um, so here's some context about her story that I want to kind of put in perspective so that we really understand the gravity of the situation. Yeah. So uh, the reason her blood disorder was so painful, it went far beyond um, any physical pain that she was feeling, far beyond a physical ailment that would be clinical mm -hmm. or medical. Um, according to the law, Leviticus 15, 25 through 27, excessive blood flow made a woman ceremonially unclean. Anything she touched was unclean as well as other people she encountered. She was very alone. No one would have wanted to be around her. She couldn't go out and publish. She couldn't even hug her family. Mm -hmm. um, so... You know, 12 years of this, and we've had barely two years of a quarantine where yeah. we can see our family. Mm -hmm. We can still hug everybody in our household, even at the height of the pandemic. Yeah. We still had that option, that mm -hmm. privilege. Um, this woman wouldn't have had that. Mm -hmm. And she would have been ostracized by society. 
I mean, looked down upon, and you know, you know how rumors work. Yeah. <laughs> and and bad information or or gossipy slanders information. Everyone would have known that this woman is unclean, complete outcast, unbelievable, and the sadness, right? Mm -hmm. And then so of all of the things that she endured, she still had the faith that Jesus could heal her. And she was fearless in her faith to the point where she was willing to go touch him. Yeah. Knowing that wasn't allowed. Yeah. She had faith in the compassion and the power of Jesus Christ that he wouldn't condemn her. Mm -hmm. It even says in the story, she was trembling mm -hmm. in fear that yeah. she, she knew, oh my gosh, what I'm about to do is taboo and forbidden, but I just, I trust and I'm yeah. going to do it anyway. And I, I'm going to say, I can't say I've ever exercised that level of faith. I, I want to. I want to be that bold in mm -hmm. my faith and in my trust of God. I mean, we make we don't make decisions like to go to a new job because we're scared about the what ifs. Will I make the same amount of money? Will I like my coworkers? I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's like we we micromanage these small decisions in life, and this woman is at a position where she could have had consequences. She yeah. could have been penalized. Maybe stolen. Like who knows what could have yeah. happened to her? But still, she took that leap of faith because she knew who Jesus was and what He could do for her. Exactly. And to me, it's just so profound. And then, so, you know, she was tired. She was worn out. She was exhausted. And it, the story suggests, it says, you know, she went to doctors. She spent mm -hmm. all that she had and still had nothing. So it is inferred in that story then that she was desperate. Yeah. I mean, she was out of options. She was out of money. She was emotionally drained. She was isolated. But in this story, in this in this instance, her desperation was a very good thing mm -hmm. because desperation requires us to be humble. Yeah. And when we are humble and when we recognize that the situation is out of our control or beyond our ability to fix, mm -hmm. that's when we're more likely to surrender to Jesus. Yeah. Even even, you know, metaphorically and symbolically and faithfully today. You know, I when I came to Jesus is when my life was unraveling. Mm -hmm. My son's father had an affair and left the family, and I wasn't walking with Jesus at the time. Mm -hmm. I believed in him. I believed he was Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, that he was our Savior. I believed all those things, yeah. but I wasn't acting in it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't living with him. And it was until I got to the point in my life where things were so out of control and my life was unraveling and beyond anything that I could fix, um, that's when I fell at the feet of Jesus. And when I realized I cannot do this on my own, nor do I want to. Mm -hmm. You get to the point of trying to manipulate things and fix things all for good. I mean, I wanted my family to stay together. I'm not, yeah. And when I say manipulate or control, there, there isn't intended to be a negative connotation there. Mm -hmm. By manipulation and control, I mean, we manipulate things. We manipulate our finances. We make sure we have the right career. Our kids go to the right school. We yeah. have the right health insurance. You know, there's a lot of things in our daily lives that we have to manipulate or orchestrate or control. Not for nefarious reasons, for practical reasons. Yeah. And so when we feel like we have that control over our lives and we have everything firmly in our grasp, it's easy to not look upward to God. Because, mm -hmm. okay, I got it all figured out. I'm yeah, handling we're it. We're good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes I feel like until we get to the point where we're truly humbled by a, cir a circumstance or a situation or a person or an illness yep. in this woman's case, um, until we get there is that we, you know, we think well, we can handle it. Until we get to the end of that, we don't always look to God. And there's a cool quote I heard years ago. It said, um, I found God at the end of myself. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's really true. I mean, this woman had tried everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there were people in her family that loved her enough to try and help her maybe financially. Like, Let's get an answer to this. I want to hug you after 12 yeah. years. But um, they had nothing left. Yeah. And so they couldn't help each other. Um, and so that's the point that we always get to, you know, and then the, the crazy part is, you know, she believed in and trusted in Jesus so much that she didn't even think, oh, I have to have a conversation with him. I have to put in a request. Yeah. I need to go, I need to go before him and yeah. have some FaceTime and explain to him what's going on. Her faith was so fearless, so pure, so complete. She just wanted to touch him. Mm -hmm. I mean, what would I do if I, if Jesus showed up here right now, would I give him a laundry list of things I needed done? Or would I just want to touch him? Yeah. Would I just want to be in his presence? Would mm -hmm. I want to explain to him, look, this is what I got going on. Yeah. <laughs> this is what I really like your help with. No, she didn't even she didn't even try to do that. Mm -hmm. She touched the hem of his cloak, and that was it. And he felt her faith. Yeah. Like how much power did she, how much faith did she have in her that he felt mm -hmm. it? He felt how much she had. And like I said, daughter, your faith made you well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's my favorite part of the story because what's so interesting about that is that um, that's what Jesus says: "Or your faith has made you mm -hmm. well." Right at the end. Mm -hmm. But he says, who touched me? I felt the power go out of me. Mm -hmm. I don't for one second believe that Jesus didn't know who touched him. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Jesus is fully God. Yeah. So he knew. He knew what was going on. And I believe, you know, the Bible, according to Jerry Lee, <laughs> that, that <laughs> he knew what he was doing. The crowds were there pressing in on him. Uh -huh. And um, it was just mass chaos. And everybody wanted a piece of Jesus. And like I said, she didn't require that. She just wanted to touch him, mm -hmm. just to be in proximity to him. And I believe that he turned around and said, who touched me? And, and not because he needed to know. Mm -hmm. He wanted her to speak up so the crowds would hear. And so when she identified herself, she identified her ailment. And then she testified I am healed. That wasn't for Jesus's benefit. No, nope. he knows all that. Mm -hmm. It was for the crowd to hear what had happened and the miracle that had taken place. And they at that time would have understood the gravity of that. Yeah. Her sight wasn't restored. People still loved blind people. Their family could still hug them. Mm -hmm. It was a situation where her entire life has been restored. Okay. She wasn't raised from the dead, but she was raised from isolation. Yeah. She was raised from pain. She was raised from absolute despair. And so when Jesus said that, who touched me? I just think it's such a powerful uh, message. He knows what he was doing. He did that to get her to speak up. He could have kept moving. He knew she was well. Yeah. He could have kept moving. Jesus knows and she knows she's better and everybody's happy. No, he made a point to stop and make sure that everybody in observance knew exactly what had happened. And then the other part that really strikes me about this story is um, when he says he felt the power go out of him. Mm -hmm. It suggests in the language of the writing that that transfer of power, that miraculous healing was actually passive. Meaning, again, he didn't see her. He didn't talk to her. He didn't get chart notes to figure out what was wrong. Mm -hmm. The power went out of him because she was so faithful. So it appears to me that she was faithful, but she didn't stay home and pray to Jesus when she knew he was walking through town. She got up, went out, was bold, touched his hand, knowing she could have been punished if mm -hmm. somebody who knew her situation had seen her do it. And she went to him with absolute trust and faith and obedience. And so to me, 
the cornerstone of this story is the act of obedience is the key that unlocks the miracle. Mm -hmm. So without obedience and the action of obedience, um, that miracle wouldn't have taken place. Wow, that's so powerful. Isn't it? Yeah, like how fearless of, and obedient was she to just go and do that? And like, and I think about it too, like just faith in our lives and stuff like that. Like how sometimes we get so complacent in mm -hmm. just where we are or like mm -hmm. things are okay that we don't want to take that extra leap. Like yeah. we're always like afraid to or have doubts, you know, what if we do start that company? What if we do do this and it fails and this yeah. and that? Mm -hmm. And so sometimes how much we lose by not taking that leap of faith. Absolutely. You know? Not just lose, but it, it, like you only, you have to have something to lose it. What, what will we never ever, ever mm -hmm. have or ever obtain or ever tangibly experience? Um, and so that's why I say like, uh, faith is not a feeling. It's not a belief. It's a verb. It's action. Yeah. Um, so to say like, okay, I believe in Jesus or I believe in God. That's really not enough. That mm -hmm. is like base level. Cause guess what? The devil believes in Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> the devil believes in God. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not showing faith. That's not showing respect or reverence or honor. No. You know, not. even demons believe in God. Of course. Okay. So how do we defer? I mean, how do we differentiate uh, us as believers? Cause we call ourselves believers. Mm -hmm. That's not enough. Yeah. To acknowledge Jesus Christ, to believe in Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. to have faith in Jesus Christ, though all the blessings that he has to offer us are not unlocked until we act in obedience mm -hmm. to him. And that requires a relationship with him. God, you know, God can do all things at all times. And the thing is, we don't, we treat him so much like he's a genie in a bottle who's granting wishes. Yeah. And that's not what he does. Mm -hmm. He is waiting, eagerly waiting for us to show him a, a desire to be in relationship with him, to know him, to know his word, to seek his counsel, to have wise discernment on who he says he is and what he wants for our lives and our purpose. Yeah. Um, so really, when it comes down to it, obedience is the key that unlocks the fearless faith because Faith can't be fearless if you're just sitting at home praying about it. Yeah. Faith is fearless when you go out and you touch the clothes. You do Jesus. something. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I love that. And, I th and the more you act out in that faith, like the more you trust in God and relinquish that control. Like mm -hmm. I just remember so much trying to control all the little things and relinquishing that to God and just having faith that he has your back, that he has the best interest mm -hmm. for you. How much more fulfilled I was in the things I was brought to. Exactly. Exactly. And then the other part is that, um, so again, there is a level of responsibility required for our lives. You mm -hmm. know, we have to make money and pay bills and raise kids and have jobs. And I'm not saying abandon all that and, and you know, <laughs> go grab a cloak of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is do all those good things. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the things that are beyond our control, um, make sure that we seek God and that we're fearless faith. And so, I, you know, I was kind of meditating on some of the things that we do, and you touched on a couple of them. Um, so, for example, obedience as an act of faith can be many things, yep. okay? And it's dependent on the person and the circumstances. But, for example, you know, starting that new job or company, like yep. you talked about, how about staying in a strained marriage rather than divorcing? How about leading into God instead of leading into divorce? You know, when something becomes uncomfortable or undesirable, we live in a disposable society yeah. where we just toss it. Yeah. Uh, how about not? How about you, you know, you don't abandon parenthood because that child is frustrating you or irritating you or taking a path that you didn't raise them to do. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Things like that. Um, or putting others needs before your own. Mm -hmm. You know, are you willing to be uncomfortable to give someone something that you have? 
that they need. Mm -hmm. um, how about um, being a missionary, stepping into ministry? Um, so often we say, well, I can't do that, or I don't have the training, or I'm not equipped to do that. Not good enough. Exactly. And God's saying, no, you know you're not. You may mm -hmm. never be, but I'm good enough. And, you know, what they say, where God guides, he provides. Yep. And um, so another one for me and is like, and we don't always think about this, is tithing. Mm. We are so connected to our stuff and our money. And we think, well, we worked hard for this, God, and I need this to pay the bills, God. And God says, yeah. no, give it to me and I'll return it to you tenfold. Exactly. That's an act of obedience. That's fearless faith. People who have barely enough money to make ends meet but are still tithing. That's mm. fearless faith. Exactly. And so... I don't think we look at those things in a, in a you know regular everyday life like fearless faith. Yeah. And how about starting a podcast when <laughs> you hate public speaking? <laughs> Perfect example. Fearless faith. <laughs> like, trust you, Lord. I trust you. <laughs> exactly. Perfect but how example. much more fruitful are you when you act in those in obedience and listen to God? He's like, you might not like it. You might be uncomfortable. <laughs> might not be what you want, but trust me in it. Yes. Have faith in me. Take that leap and let me show you what I can do. Amen. And and that's the thing. Faith is uniquely connected to control. Mm -hmm. um, and we've touched on it a little bit already. But, you know, as long as things are going smooth and we feel like we have everything under control, then we give ourselves an attaboy and pat ourselves on the back and say, great job. Yeah. Uh, it's when we things are going off the rails. Mm. That's often when we're more likely to surrender to God. But... I think it's an, it is an act of fearless faith to seek God, seek his wisdom and guidance to stay on track when things are good. Mm -hmm. um, how, I mean, how hurtful, like we all have friends or an acquaintance who um, we don't really hear from when things are cool. And then when something goes bad or she breaks up with her boyfriend or whatever, she calls you boohooing and now she needs her bestie to talk her through it. Well, have you ever felt like, God, that person only only comes to me when they need something mm -hmm. or when things aren't great? That's not how God feels. Yeah. When we don't praise him and we don't glorify him when everything is good and successful and smooth, but we hit our knees the second we need something. Yep. And that's not honoring the relationship with God either mm -mm. because we are supposed to come to him in all things with prayer, with supplication, with praise. Um, so it's important to be mindful of that too. Um, fearless faith doesn't just mean that when you are desperate and when you've been humbled by the world, um, that then you fall at the feet of Jesus. Um, we can glorify God in all things. Um, Absolutely. God works all things for our good mm -hmm. and for his good to glorify him. Um, so we have to be mindful of that too, that like, this isn't, this isn't, you know, a conversation about, okay, where to go when you're desperate. It's, it's not, it's not that simple. It's just, um, how do we exercise fearless faith in all things? Mm -hmm. uh, and then it's important to recognize that um, our goal should be fearless faith um, as a first response rather than a last resort. And so oftentimes we don't do that. Mm -hmm. So um, when something's wrong or just beginning to go wrong, we still try to cling to that control. We try to manipulate and just keep it on track and keep it right. And then the reality is we just end up exhausting ourselves. Um, we are not showing um, faith and trust in God. And ultimately we end up in the same place. When it all <laughs> falls apart, now we're exhausted. Yeah. It's been anywhere, you know, it could be two weeks or two years of exhaustion, emotional and physical, and yeah. the result was the same. And all the while we should have looked to God mm -hmm. and shown reverence for him and recognized our dependence on him. But we didn't do it because we thought in our own awesomeness, we could, we could control it. 
yeah, it's important that we don't do that. Yeah, right? And I think exactly like you said, it's just that whole releasing that control. And mm -hmm. I think like for me, it's gotten easier to do that because mm -hmm. I know that like me being in control is the worst idea. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want the control. Like, Lord, I need help. And mm -hmm. I think just over time, that's just the more times, you know, I have fallen or messed up or I, you know, I'm turning to God and I think I know better and I fall flat on my face. I'm just like, you know what? Like, why do I keep trying to control these things? Yeah. Like, there's just, God knows so much more for mm -hmm. me and has so much more for me when I release that control. So now it's just, it's a lot easier for me mm -hmm. to do it that way. Even when I am flat on my face, you know, especially when I'm flat on my face. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, and we've talked about this in our Bible study and stuff is like, why do we try so hard to outwork God? Yeah. Why, why do we think that we can do it better than he can, faster than he can, more mm -hmm. intelligently than he can? Um, you know, I know we always struggle as believers, as human beings, we struggle with discernment. Okay. Is God leading me to this or are my selfish desires mm -hmm. leading me to this? You know, and we're constantly asking, you know, why God, how God, yeah. um, and those are all great questions to ask and prayerfully and, uh, with, you know, prayer and fasting to ask for the big answers. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're talking about when you know, God's tapping on your heart and telling you to do something mm -hmm. or do not do something. Um, and you know that whatever that thing is, is potentially going to put you in a position of discomfort mm -hmm. or inconvenience. And so you choose not to do it because you're like, oh, I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to be inconvenient. I'll just deal with it. And, you know, the consequence of that often is failure. Yeah. But we learn so much from those moments. Um, and as we get older, we just pray that those failures are fewer and far between. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, you know, now when, when things become confused or chaotic or dysfunctional or toxic, um, that we seek God's wisdom first. Yeah. And that we, um, we act in obedience to him. I think it's such a cool concept, um, with faith being action or faith being mm -hmm. a verb. So, um, with that thinking that, okay, obedience is the act that can potentially unlock a miracle or a blessing or a solution or an epiphany or all of the things that we pray for, oftentimes we're missing that key component, which is an act of obedience. And it doesn't have to be something grand, like becoming a missionary. It could just be being still. God's telling you to be still and stop trying to control the situation just yes. to lean into me. It doesn't have to be this grandiose act. When I say act or an action, it's talking about in reverence and in relationship with God and an engagement with him to honor what you believe it to be his will for your life or what you feel he's shown you um, to be the, that belief in your life. And um, so I just think it's such a beautiful thing to think about that we are in relationship with God in mm -hmm. that moment and that we are not powerless. We don't just sit back and pray for things to happen. We can take action with God in accordance with God uh, and what his will for our lives are and the purpose that he's outlined for us. And, you know, when you think about it, when things are going wrong, um, we so often feel powerless, but we're not. We have the power to partner with God in our lives. And that's what he wants. Absolutely. And I think another act of fearless faith is being able to praise him during that distress, praise him yes. when things are going wrong. So like you said, we have that power. And when God sees how much we're stepping out of faith, even when things are going wrong, how much more is he going to be there to just be with us, mm -hmm. to help us in, in those times, you know, he Amen. always wants what's best for us. Mm -hmm. So when we're going through those things, it might be to teach us something for, you know, 
our character growth, anything. Amen. But he's always working it out for our good and praising mm -hmm. him during that shows him how much we trust him. Amen. That's a huge, critical, critical reminder. Um, because so often it's easy to be joyous mm -hmm. and praise him and show him honor and glory when we're happy with the outcome. Yes. Um, and you know, that's something that I personally have learned um, in recent years and I've shared it with our Bible study many times. Um, but you know, sometimes when we're praying for, um, good things and I use the, like I differentiate between good things and God things. So when we're praying for good things that we think are honorable and good, like in my case, I was praying for my wayward husband to come home. Arguably mm -hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah. It wasn't God's will. Mm -hmm. It's not what God wanted for my life. And so I had to be really careful there where I was still able to praise God and be joyful and thankful when I, my prayers went unanswered because the reality is unanswered prayers are a blessing. Yes. Um, and somebody told me years ago, you know, God only says three things, yes, no, and wait, mm -hmm. right? And so, I mean, it's oversimplifying, but <laughs> but when yeah. it comes down to it, like if we're praying for something and it's in God's will and it's in good time, it'll happen. Yeah, exactly. If it's not in his time, he'll say wait. Mm -hmm. And if it's not in God's will, no matter how good you think it is or how righteous you think the request is, he's going to give you a hard no. Yep. And you need to have the spiritual maturity to deal with that and see, okay, well, what is God teaching me through this unanswered prayer? Yes. Um, and so I've thought about it so much, you know, when you're praying for a circumstance or a relationship or a, a person or people around you, and your focus is all around you, what's going on that needs to be changed or improved or whatever, and God's not fixing it. God's good. Mm -hmm. God wants you to do well and he works everything for your good. So if what you're praying for all around you is not coming to fruition, then you need to pause and say, okay, God, well, what are you trying to change within me? Mm -hmm. What needs to happen within me? Could be something really big. Could be a complete character change. It could be you know, more faith in him, more trust in him, just being still. Whatever that answer may be, I promise you, I assure you that God can snap his fingers at any moment and give you anything you need. Mm -hmm. But he loves you enough to not give you what's bad for you. And our definition of good is not God's definition of good. Right? So true. <laughs> Be very careful because what we think is good for us is not necessarily good for us. We are God's children. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm 42 doesn't mean I know any better what I need for my life than, than when I was 12, you know? And so as a, as an earthly parent with a teenager, he might ask me for something that he thinks is wonderful and is absolutely good for him. Or he asks to be involved in a friendship that he thinks would be wonderful mm -hmm. or to go somewhere he thinks would be wonderful. And me, hopefully with more wisdom and um, experience, I can, from my view and my vantage point, observe and see what would be safe for him, what would be healthy for him, what would be positive for him, mm -hmm. and then allow or disallow, depending on that. Our Heavenly Father does the same thing. Yep. He sees the bigger picture. He sees where he wants us to be in 10 years. And if what we're asking for today is going to ruin what's going to happen in 10 years, he'll, he'll simply say no. Just like me as a mom, if I can see that a friendship or an event or doing something is going to be negative and impact Ryder's life, I'm going to say no, a hard no. <laughs> and so it's it's good for me tangibly to put it in those kind of terms so that I can really grasp it, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm a layman's person, <laughs> uh, and really kind of see what God is doing there. But it's true. So if God is not giving me my wish list, um, there's something wrong with my wish list. Mm -hmm. There's a reason for it. Yeah. And so um, I just want to encourage people that um, to try and pray in alignment with um, God's will, 
but also to exercise fearless faith with acts of obedience yes. and that will unlock our miracles and unlock our blessings like the woman with the with the bleeding disorder Absolutely. Uh, and i want to hear i i mean i always say like okay i live today now to hear good uh, good job well done good and faithful servant that's what i want to hear when i get to heaven um, but i also would love to hear your faith has made you well <sighs> Your faith has saved you from that problem. Mm -hmm. Your faith has healed you or your faith has healed a loved one. Mm -hmm. I would love to hear those words from Jesus and to know that I partnered with him well. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't that be beautiful? So beautiful. Yeah. And the crazy part is her name is not mentioned in the Bible. No. There's not a whole lot of specifics about the story, but I think the critical points and the points that God wanted to make and where he wanted us to focus are all there in black and white. Yep. It's beautiful. Uh, it is. <laughs> hey, let's pray us out. All right. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for your divinely inspired word of God. We are so incredibly grateful for the wisdom that you inspired to be written in these pages for generations and generations, Lord. And we thank you that you send the Holy Spirit to just help us pause and to really focus and meditate on specific words and to not overlook uh, what, what might seem like a small story or an insignificant or a story that doesn't have a lot of details, Lord, but that you put in what we needed to hear, Lord. And that if we power, if we had the power to partnership with you, that we are not powerless in this world, that we can help and contribute to the purpose that you have for our lives and contribute to fulfilling it, Lord. We are so grateful for your word. We are so grateful for this woman and her story in the Bible, Lord. May we be examples of her to glorify you, to have faith in you, and to show it and display it with acts of obedience, Lord, that we trust you, that we love you, and that we want to glorify your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us. We hope your time with us has brought you closer to God. And makes you feel equipped, empowered, and encouraged to experience Eden on this side of heaven. To connect with us, please find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day!